0: All right, Jules, here we go. Hey, everyone, Will Saddleberg here. You're about to hear half an episode we recorded two weeks ago. This was supposed to be uh, for last week. And then just so much news happened that we ended up having to record the episode you heard last week with just Daniel and myself. R is back on this one. It gets a little existential. It gets a little big picture. I think it's a really good conversation and I think you'll really like it. We'll be back next week with a full new episode, but until then, happy Thanksgiving.
1: If you're in the US and otherwise, please enjoy stuff. All right. Google is ending Fitbit sales in over a dozen countries. So this is interesting. Not surprising, but interesting. I think this is the first salvo into Google really pulling back on Fitbit as a standalone hardware brand. And leaning more into Fitbit as, like, augmenting Google's own fitness strategy. So, Will, walk us through exactly what they're doing and where they're pulling out.
0: Yeah, I. so this is a kind of developing story as we're recording this. Like, this, this happened, like, today. I believe we're up to 29 countries they've pulled out of, which is a lot. It seems to basically be that they're trying to align closer to countries that they're selling Pixel devices in, which is interesting because like Fitbit, although like the Pixel watch is essentially a Fitbit smartwatch, like it doesn't use the Fitbit branding and same with the Fitbit Charge 6 that just launched, it doesn't have Pixel branding on it. It has a Google logo on the box, but you know, it's primarily pushed as uh, Fitbit. But yeah, Google gave a, a quote to a site called Tech Central saying that they are looking to align their hardware portfolio to map closer to pixels regional availability so you know the 29 countries as of when we record this i don't know there could be more are basically all regions where pixels don't exist you can't buy a pixel through official channels so i think this is bizarre i i I have found google's strategy for fitbit since they bought them to be at best, confusing, and at worst, kind of a disaster. And I would say this is, like, another step in that of, like, I don't fully understand. You know, it would be one thing if they were like, yeah, sales in Croatia are not high enough for us to keep a presence there. But it seems that they're really just lining it up with Pixel products, which I don't know what that means for the future of the Fitbit brand. Obviously, I can't imagine it disappearing as a software suite, but, like does this mean eventually we'll just have like Google fitness trackers and like, or like they'll use the pixel brand for those. Like I am kind of confused as to what their strategy is here, especially because like Fitbit as a whole is like targeted towards lower cost devices than a smartwatch. I don't know. (laughs) This is one of those times where I look at what Google is doing and I cannot wrap my head around what the strategy is here. Like it just does not make a lot of sense to me.
1: I think this is just a straight up economics problem, right? There's a sunk cost into being present as a hardware vendor in any number of countries. Rick Osterloh answered this question when Michael Fisher interviewed him at uh, the Made by Google event. Michael asked, why aren't you in more countries? He said, we're working on it. We've been slowly expanding. We're getting into more places. It's, It's interesting. Google has always been extremely conservative in releasing hardware products. If you go to Google's hardware availability services page, it's just like this minefield. Like you don't know what products are gonna be available in what country. Pixel products are in different countries than Nest products. And it does feel very messy, but I'm not surprised that Google is pulling back on Fitbit because like Fitbit is everywhere because it had to compete with all of those cheap $30 fitness trackers. and The fact that, like, I don't think Google wants to be in that super low margin business of selling Fitbit flexes against, like, the Huawei Flex Band 6, that doesn't surprise me because I just don't think there's a big business for Google there
0: anymore. I agree with, but then it's like, what is the future of that? Like, that is kind of what Fitbit is best at, like, or at the very least, like being like lower cost than a smartwatch. So like, what is the future of this brand aside from powering the fitness stuff on the pixel watch? But again, like, I don't even know
1: if they need to have a presence there.
0: Yeah. I, I, but like, so does it
1: make sense for Google to continue releasing Fitbit senses or Fitbit versus, I don't know.
0: Like, I, I guess that's my overall. So like, if the Pixel Watch 2 is the best Fitbit smartwatch you can buy, right? And they're going to leave kind of the $100 price range behind. So is it just Fitbit ends up just being like, we have the Charge series and like, that's it? Like, I don't, this is another step in the, I don't know what you're doing with this sub-brand kind of yeah. thing. Like, I, I, I just like fully do not, and like, to the point where I find it difficult to tell people to like get invested or excited about Fitbits in general, even if they want a fitness tracker and not a smartwatch, because like, I don't know where this brand is in two years. Does anyone feel like they have a confident guess at where Fitbit is? Like I, I can guess it's still on the pixel watch and it, it exists as an app on your phone and that's about it. And, and I, but, okay, can here,
1: Here's my, take on this because I think Google made a pretty strong argument this year for why we don't need Fitbit hardware anymore. On the one hand, it's confusing that Google owns the Pixel line and the Fitbit line and that the Fitbit line uses a completely different operating system. I think it's confusing that even though we got a lot of emails when we asked this question saying, I use a Fitbit because it lasts a week, I think that inherently is not enough to justify continuing to invest in building hardware. Because if you have the Fitbit and Fitbit OS and Pixel or Wear OS on like separate but parallel paths, which one gets to longer battery life versus more capabilities quicker? Does Fitbit OS get to smartwatch-like capabilities but seven-day battery? Faster than Wear OS gets to five day battery and or three day battery and Wear OS capabilities faster, and I actually think it's the latter. I think it's Wear OS and improvements to the SOCs getting to longer battery life, especially if Google releases like a forty eight millimeter version of the Pixel Watch next year, which I'm sure they will. This is exactly what happened with the Apple Watch Ultra. You know, Apple Watch, I don't know if anybody's going to complain about the fact that the Apple Watch Ultra only lasts three days because it lasts three freaking days. That's a long time. And if you have a Pixel Watch that consistently lasts two to three days, the benefit of a Fitbit kind of goes away. Right. So, I mean, there are other reasons, right? A lot of people said that they wear the smaller Fitbits for sleeping because they are less obtrusive, which I totally get. But Google... In its infinite wisdom, is going to say, "Well, then buy a Nest Hub Gen 2." <laughs> you know, like there are solutions to every point that somebody's going to have for buying a Fitbit over a Pixel Watch. And I think the biggest point for the Pixel Watch is that Google bundled the Pixel Watch in with the freaking Pixel 8 this year. Like, if you if you bought it, if you pre-ordered a Pixel 8, a Pixel 8 Pro, rather, you got a Pixel Watch.
0: I I agree with all this. I I think first of all, don't buy a Nest Hub for sleep tracking secondly uh, i disagree <laughs> that
1: thing is great
0: i've been using it for like two years right. it's, it's actually very good fine but i think you bringing up nest is i mean that's how i feel about this where i'm like this feels like brand mismanagement like like in the same way that i feel like nest is brand mismanagement like i don't really have an accurate guess on what the future of nest is either and that's a problem like i i just don't know how to tell anyone to like go out and, and consider these devices as opposed to like their rivals when I just like kind of don't. And and, and this falls into Google's uh, reputation for killing products as well. But it's like, I kind of get the vibe that like Fitbit hardware will come to an end sooner rather than later. And that might not matter for existing users now, but like someone who goes out and buys a charge six for Christmas or gets a charge six for Christmas might really come to love it. And in a few years be like hey can i get a new one and they're gonna be like sorry you have to spend 400 dollars on a pixel watch 5 or whatever and i don't know it's it's just i just don't know what the future of this company is i guess is where i'm at
1: that's the through lines for every episode of this podcast by the way <laughs> yeah. so we're no, we're in like no new territory but i agree I it's it is very confusing okay fun, the the last google thing this week is very funny to me yeah So, you wrote this article. It's titled Google Wants the EU to Force iMessage to Play Nice with Android. And, like, this is just the best. Like, this is Google playing all of its hands at once. It's got, like, multiple superhero Mrs. Uh, What's her (laughs) name? Like, Elasto Girl. Sure. Yeah. At every single poker table. Just, like, playing all of its hands at once because it's like. we want to force apple to consider rcs and to integrate it into ios but if it won't do it of its own volition which it won't we're just going to ask the eu to do to rcs what it did to the USB C port
0: here's the story i'm sure everyone listening to this we've talked about it is aware of google's get the message campaign which they launched last august which is i Alert. would what I, I would say what like it's been a year yeah it's, it's been, been a over year. a year yeah oh it was, my good it was, god it, uh, <laughs> J- jules you can cut this but like like that's how long it's been um crazy? yeah so uh uh they launched get the message i would say as a whole uh people can disagree with me on this i would say not only has that campaign been a complete failure on google's part but i i would say it's embarrassing like i i the the more Google tries to get Apple to talk about it and the longer Apple does not say a single word about it, it, it Apple, to my knowledge, has responded once and it wasn't even directly to Google. It was Tim Cook doing at some conference and was the blind that I think is now famous. I think people will remember, which is that you should buy your a- mom an iPhone. <laughs> That's the one response that anyone from Apple has given this campaign. And I would say is pretty damning as a whole. The latest thing they did was after the launch of the iPhone 15, they did this iPager thing that was like completely cringeworthy, and I think they need to stop doing it. And I'm hoping that by sending this letter to the European Commission alongside a bunch of European carriers to push for iMessage's inclusion in the Digital Markets Act, which it was left out of in September when these first went into effect, these first 22 platforms, I think. I'm hoping google's like last ditch effort basically to make this happen so this is not necessarily specifically targeted rcs it is it is uh the way that the eu would do it was if if um apple is already designated as a gatekeeper under the dma if imessage was added to a core platform service list as you know next to um what are the the current uh messaging apps are whatsapp and facebook messenger they would basically be liable to basically whatever the European commission wants them to do to make it interoperable between platforms. So like that could mean RCS. That could mean it has to work with WhatsApp, which is like a bizarre world to imagine. It's kind of whatever the regulation is to like, quote unquote, like to, to meet the standards of like a more open platform within the EU no idea whether this would lead into North America, although I think it's fairly obvious that Google's play in the EU here is not targeted at the EU at all. It is absolutely targeted at North America. And that's basically Apple's counter is that iMessage is not nearly as important in the EU and specifically in the EU's business sector, which is what the DMA really looks at. I have no idea whether or not the EU will come around. Like, I could see both outcomes. I think both outcomes are likely, but it is, I think, by far the like harshest we've seen Google try to do this—try to make Android and iOS work closer together when messaging. And I think it comes a little late, but um, you know, I'm working on this piece that should be up early next week, basically about iOS adoption among teenagers and in the U.S. They're looking at like close to 90% of teenagers have iPhones. And like, I think Android might be in trouble in the U.S. And it is partially, if not majority, because of iMessage, right? It is because of these group chats. We've seen iPhone kind of take above 50% market share in the U.S. And that's only growing. And if younger generations, if Gen Z and beyond are essentially hooked into the Apple ecosystem from age 13, 12 whenever they get their first iPhone to message their parents on iMessage, right? Like that's it. That's basically done. You're going to just see Android's market share continue to dwindle as younger users like buy into this ecosystem. So I think Google has to do this because they're, they're in trouble in the US. I I understand that like on a global level Android is far and away the bigger platform, but they're in trouble in the US and This is a a way to try to stop the bleeding and make it easier for someone who sees a Galaxy Z Flip 5 and goes, fuck, that's cool. I want that. It's too bad it doesn't have iMessage. Makes it easier for them to switch.
1: Oh, man. I have so many thoughts and we have so little time. I'm sorry. I I just... There are basically two companies that have built messaging moats. Sure. One is WeChat because... Like WeChat is an everything app, and it's on every Chinese phone, right? And it like does way more than just messaging. And and
0: we're gonna know all about that soon once X gets their bank account
1: information. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Please. And then there's the then there's the iMessage mode, which is a mode for a completely different reason, and that's because it's on by default, right? And that is not like I think the main issue here is not iMessage is inherently better, like messaging. Today in 2023 is the same. Sending somebody a message on WhatsApp or Signal or Telegram is technically and experientially identical to iMessage. Even an RCS message is the same, right? There's no inherent advantage. You don't get better quality images. There's reaction emoji. Like you get this, the feature set is completely commoditized across the boat it's the but it's only the buying. right
0: exactly it's because buy-in. on, it's buying it's the
1: fact that you don't have a choice in the matter when you start when you put in your sim card apple yes. activates iMessage for you and locks your phone number into iMessage and that is the anti-competitive part the fact that like whenever i move from an iphone to an android phone and back even if i disable iMessage the second my sim card is installed ios tries to reactivate iMessage Yeah right? Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But eventually my number gets sucked back into iMessage somehow. If I turn it off, it will get re-enabled when there's a software update, right? It just happens. Apple's moat is brute forced. And I think that is anti-competitive. And I think the fact is, I don't think if Android got iMessage more young people would move over to android i don't think that's where I, I, we are i disagree i think i you would see i don't think
0: it would reestablish dominance in the u.s but i think it would stop the bleeding i think it would make people more likely to try something different every consumer study that is done about gen z and god we we really should probably save this discussion for when i have this piece like live on the site but like The level of like Gen Z wants to be unique and not just buy the same things that their parents bought, which is not exclusive to them, but also just like as a whole unique from their friends. If the messaging problem were to ever be solved, you would see people more likely to look over at the $1,000 foldable as opposed to the $1,000 iPhone and be like, I'm pretty bored of this iPhone, even though it has titanium. Let me try something new. It's a good thing I won't lose any of my group chats. And I'm not trying to say that iMessage is the only reason people don't switch. I think iMessage is the gateway into the Apple ecosystem. And once you are in the Apple ecosystem, it is, you know, you are more likely to buy a Mac. It's like, okay, well, now all my stuff works well. You are more likely to buy an iPad. You are more likely to buy what an Apple Watch. God, for you know, and like, like the second you have a wearable, right and i've talked to people who are you know i'm not i am like on the border of gen z i guess like depending on when you put the date i was born in 1995 i'm either one or the other i have friends who have told me i'd be willing to try the reason i'm using the flip five as an example is because i have friends who have told me they'd be willing to use and this is anecdotal but like would be willing to try it except for the fact that like they know it's gonna fuck up their group chats
2: I would argue that if iMessage is a lock-in, it's happening a lot earlier than 10 because, remember, all of these kids are also being started on, like, iPads because that is, like, one of the predominant... That's basically the only tablet thing for kids unless you're going to buy just, like, the ultra-cheapo and not care when it gets broken. That's how kids are messaging with their friends from school, even before they have phones. But I'd also argue that iMessage, it being the lock-in that it is, I don't think will change, even if it's forced to be interoperable with messages, even if it's forced to be interoperable with WhatsApp or SMS or whatever else. The legislation that I really wish that Apple would be forced into is to just detach phone numbers from iMessage altogether. That should be tied to an Apple ID, not a phone number. Separate those out. It's not SMS, it's iMessage.
1: But it is. Like, you take your SIM card out of an iPhone, iMessage still works through email. Yeah. So... It's not like that functionality disappears and it allows you to use iMessage on a computer or
2: Yeah, no, I mean or, I understand that it is tied to that as well, but the fact that the second you get a phone and a uh mobile number gets tied to iMessage, you're never going back to SMS. You're here now.
1: Yeah. No, I I agree with you. I but I think it is more than just the fact that iMessage exists. I think the iPhone itself is why the youth, for lack of a better term, want an iPhone. Like it, it, it is not just about iMessage. Well, I, I mean, yes, I agree.
2: It's also about like it's the little things. Like, okay, this is a very young and immature idea for a second, but just bear with me because we're going to be talking about kids. I'm somebody who loves to use like emojis and stickers and whatnot. Using stickers mm. on Android still sucks, and that is after we got sticker support like supposedly six years ago. All of the new apps they come to iPhone first. All the new buzzworthy features. Most of those originate on some version of Android, but where they get perfected is iOS. So for mm-hmm. all of those features, it's a matter of, oh, no, this is where all the cool shit is.
1: Totally.
0: Again, I, I probably should have waited to bring this up until the piece was live because I also want to break down. We wouldn't have that. let you. We, just, we would, <laughs> would have just talked about it anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think there is an issue. It's not just iMessage. That's part of it. I think that certainly belongs in the conversation. I think we agree on that. I think it's also, frankly, advertisements for Android phones are bad. The Pixel 8's AI push is, like, not going to sell a 16-year-old that they should drop their iPhone. And just the fact that, like, most of these teenagers who do come in contact with Android start with $200 Android phones, and that experience is a lot better than it was 10 years ago, but it's still enough to probably sour them when they go out to buy their first phone, when they're on their own, when they're in college, right? And so it's easy to see how, like, that pipeline exists of, like, Android's bad because I used a Galaxy A12 for three years. I'm buying an iPhone. I watched that happen when I was in high school. People who used, you know, and back then, $80 Android phones in 2012 were like really bad. Like, actually, I can't blame anyone for dropping them bad. So I think there's like a bigger piece of the puzzle there. And that one, I'm not sure how you even solve beyond just like begging people to pay attention to like flagship Android phones. But. I think it's a broader concept of like how Android is not in a great place in the U.S. And I don't think we talk about that enough as an industry, but look for my reporting on that in the coming days, I suppose.
1: Yeah. And it's weird to say that, to say like, you know, we, we keep teasing this and, and <laughs> Jules keeps like giving us new versions of the Transist podcast logo. Yeah. But the reality is, like, my goal in life is not to host an Android podcast because that is very reductive. And I think both of you would agree. Like, Android is in a place where it's mature, it's fine, it's not going anywhere, but it's certainly not growing. And it's not interesting in the way that it used to be. Whereas the broader world of tech is far more interesting. And if we can address that head on and try to just reconcile the fact that the people that stand Android today may have been the ones that bought the first Droid in 2009, 2008, and have like been invested in the success of the platform for 15 years. They still exist, but they're a very small portion of the overall smartphone user base, especially in North America. And it's not that I'm saying we need to focus more on Apple or iPhone in general, but like there's just so much more to say about technology than smartphones in general We spent anymore.
0: 25 minutes at the start of the show talking about humane AI. I'm, I'm never going to apologize for that. We're, we're, but, but that's but what, my point. What I is mean... Like, it, we, we, we looked at it and we're like hey, do you know what I actually want to talk about this week? Is like, I literally wrote in our show notes as I was putting them together 20 minutes before we went live. Well, Will all wants Will wants to, to talk, talk about, about <laughs> is the OLED Steam Deck announced 15 minutes before this recording. Because that's true. They announced an OLED Steam Deck before this record. And I was like, that's all I want to talk about, actually. That's that's literally, you know, we're going to have some good conversations. But like, that's not Android. Like, I, you know, you can argue it's Linux and that's somehow related. But like, the world of technology is a lot bigger and broader than you know. I'm sure the Galaxy S24 Ultra is going to be a great phone. Is it going to take up mind space and for for a full calendar year? Like no, like it's not because it's just it's it is a phone at the end of the day, and like there is a lot more happening in the world of technology that like limiting and and this is not a direction of the site necessarily so don't read too much into this it's just conversations the three of us have been having about this podcast and how we like to talk about things
1: but it also does reflect a change that i think we're seeing a lot at tech sites in general right I mean, we do not have time to talk about this because this is a whole separate conversation about like Google search and the algorithms yeah. and all that. Yeah. So let's save that for a future week. And say look I think over and we're an hour and 26 minutes into this recording. Yeah, I know. And, we, My and phone you bus still have to like, talk oh, about the hey. Steam Deck for 15 yeah. minutes. But I, wanna, I just want to mention like Google rewards focus. If Google thinks that you are a quote niche site, if you stick to your niche, you are going to be rewarded for that. Yeah. But Android, Android is so much smaller than it used to be. And Google is so much bigger than it used to be. And we have no choice but to move in the direction of making Android Police and all tech sites less, quote, niche because Android is just one small part of the conversation. And I think just like circling this back to uh, iMessage as a moat, Google has no moat. Like there's no, no moat no. remaining if it ever had one. And Android is just this big sprawling thing that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, and that's not bad because it's a good business for Google, but it's not a good talking point for Google anymore. And you see that reflected every year at Google I.O., right? When was the last time Android, took up more than a few minutes of the conversation i was going
0: to bring exactly that up android 14 and io this year
1: was in the middle of the presentation and it was maybe 10 minutes yeah so i mean all this dma stuff like i think is really interesting because the eu is approaching this not as a like as you said android needs to get iMessage support right it's Alphabet, Amazon, Apple, ByteDance, Meta, and Microsoft are the so-called gatekeepers of the tech community, and they own so much of the entire ecosystem. We've seen some efforts through things like ActivityPub and like even older messaging services like Jabber and other attempts, even uh, what's Eric Mijakovsky's project, uh, Beeper, ways that we've been able to hack... Br- unifying all of these messaging platforms together. And that's just because by and large, they are commoditized and they're offering the same thing and they have no moat. And if you remove iMessage from Apple, it just boils down to it being another messaging platform. So anyway, that's where we're gonna leave it for today. We're just going to push this, guys. We're just going to have a very short show next week because I'm in California, so I don't want Oh,
0: right. You're going to uh, the MediaTek Summit, right? I'm going to go to yes. MediaTek.
1: It's my turn to be in the sun. <laughs> so Listen, I may can, not yeah, have I a can. show. It
0: would be unfair for me to take both. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you didn't have a choice in the matter. I also didn't yeah. have a choice in the matter. <laughs> um...
0: Wow, wasn't that a great conversation that I definitely remember and I'm not recording this a week and a half later. Anyway, thank you for listening. Uh, you can write into the show, a uh, podcast at androidplease.com. You can find us on various social media platforms. And as I said up top, we will be back next week with an all new episode. Until then, thanks for listening. Bye.